Well, we, uh, as you know, on the 17th, uh, we finished, or we, went, we did our second to last, rather, um, sermon on the Mark series. And then last week, uh, we heard from Elder Keith about seeing and knowing God in the light of the gospel. Uh, he pointed out to us that God did not call us to be sin managers of a dying world, but to, uh, to be light and to point them to the light and to stay humble. And that was a great message. God uh, used him for a timely word last week, and so we thank, we're thankful for that. We are going to step into today, uh, I'll explain a little bit, a two-part uh, message and uh, I'll explain a little bit about that, but join me in prayer. God, we're uh, thrilled today that you have called us to be your light. You've called us to be your messengers. You've called us to spread the gospel throughout the world, and we're so thankful for that, Lord. What a privilege it is that you would trust us with that. Father, we thank you, Lord, for today and for what you have prepared. I pray, Father, that you would bless each and every person that's here today. I pray, Father, that you would take this word and break it to how many people are here in the sanctuary and those online, Lord, that they may receive it in the way that they need to, Lord. And last, Lord, I pray, Father, that you would just touch my mouth like you did Jeremiah, God, that it may land on good ground and go before us, Lord, and do what only divinity can do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, earlier this year, uh, my family and I needed some time away, as we typically do every year right around this time, uh, to reconnect, um, to spend some extended time together, refresh, um, just to be together. And uh, just so to have some sun, fun, and relaxation. And the place we stayed at that we discovered offered what they called these daily activities. Now, the daily activities were at 6.30 in the morning. So I know that that's uh, early for vacation. But I found that God typically speaks to me when I do things I don't want to do. Uh, but it was part of the per-night fee, so we, you know, while everyone else was sleeping or in some cases just waking up, I jumped up, washed up, and headed down to the 6.30 classes. Some of the classes were supposed to be like a stretching class, right? Uh, well, they, they tricked me. Uh, we started out by doing some long stretches. It was nice. Uh, I had injured my um, hamstring several months ago um, trying to race one of my brothers while on a trip with, for his birthday. Um, so I needed some stretching. Uh, it was outside. It was nice and cool. Uh, out there. It was early in the morning. I was praying. I was talking to God. I was just enjoying the quiet of the early morning. And then it started. It turns out that day was a high-intensity interval training class. And we laugh at these classes sometimes, but let me tell you, it kicked my rear. My, my whole family had a laugh when I walked in, and I was dripping in sweat, and my back looked like I had just got out of the shower. And they just laughed. And but when we were in that class, when I was in that class, while I was sitting there, while she, the instructor, she was listening to us groan, she said these words. She said, focus on the path. I'm taking you somewhere, 
there is a destination. Now, people say a lot of things, but I was in prayer about what he wanted me to teach this week and next. And you know when you're in prayer, sometimes you, you just know when you know that it was God that was speaking. And so I couldn't shake those words. Focus on the path. I'm taking you somewhere. There is a destination. After that, those words, my eyes started to water, and I began to give God praise, not understanding why until I started searching the scriptures. Then I begin to hear him say, that's it. That's what I want you to teach in July. So he gave me that word, and I searched the scriptures and prayerfully have found what he wants you to hear this morning. If you get our weekly emails or follow uh, our website, you know that this is going to be a two-part message. Um, I've entitled it, Next, Broad Roads, Straight Paths. Next. We'll be in several passages of scripture, so you'll want to take notes so you can track where you're going and where we've been. But when you think of a road, do you ever think of where the road leads to? Or do you ever think about who is taking you on that road? Is there a process that you use when you think about going down a road? Or what words, better yet, what words come to mind when you think about someone taking you down a road? One of them might be, what kind of road is this? Right. Is it a dark road? Is it a dead-end road? Is it a bright road? Just what kind of road is it? There's always been two roads in life and two roads for the believer when it comes to Scripture. Right? We see it all the time. So think about it with me. There's the spirit and there's the, the flesh. There's first and the... Grace and darkness and good and... So if we look at things like that, we know that there's just two roads. God doesn't give us a third option. He doesn't give us a third option. He gives us two. There's two ways to go. So let's look at Matthew 7. Again, I'm going to be in many different passages, but we'll start there with Matthew 7. We're going to be looking at uh, verses 13 and 14. Some of you know this by memory, but meet me there. And if you have your Bibles or phones, follow along. If not, it'll be on the screen. Um, but Jesus is at the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount, and he says these words, enter through the narrow gate, for the gate Enter through the narrow gate, for the wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it, but small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life. And listen to this, only a few find it. Why only a few? God and salvation are for everyone, right? So why only a few? The word broad has some inferences that tend to mean prosperous. Um, there, there's no hedge with broad roads, right? There, there's no protection. There's no accountability with broad roads. On the broad road, you follow the crowd. You follow what they say. Do you know most of the time when we say they say, and listen, I, I'll confess, I say it a lot. It's just a habit. I'm, I'm working on it. But they say we're talking about, they're talking about the majority, they're talking about the crowd. 
It's a road, according to, our, to the word of God, that leads to destruction. Narrow roads, on the other hand, are much different. Narrow is the word uh, threbo in Greek. It means to press hard upon. It, it means to experience trouble or difficulty or, or to afflict. It's like, wow, God, really? It's a wild, it, it, it's a wilderness-type experience. So let's, let's just take a look at the difference between a, um, a wide road and a narrow road. We put up that slide for wide road. Or broad roads. So on a broad road, broad roads are quick, right? You get them just like that. They're very quick. Um, it, it's, it's instantaneous. It's what we like, right? We like, we like things that are quick. We like things that are easy. On a broad road, everybody's going that way, so they're, they're really easy. It's, it's wide open. Uh, there's no restrictions. There's nothing going on there. But, but the, in the broad road, there's no discipline, right? So you don't have any discipline. You just sort of, everybody's doing willy-nilly. They're doing whatever they want. Everybody's doing whatever they want. And it lacks intimacy, right? We have, there's something about when you have intimacy with God that happens on a narrow road. Let's look at the narrow road. Narrow roads, as we just saw, remember the word thlebo in Greek is, is, is to afflict. It's, it's trouble. It's difficult. Right? It's long. It takes a long time. Remember, we like, we like short things. We like to get there fast. We like to make sure uh, that we're quick, right? I was, I, I, I'm not a fan of, of Uber. Sorry if you work for one. Um, but I, had, I was in the Pacific Northwest recently, and I had to use one because I got my car and realized that the place I was going was two blocks away. And so I was like, why am I paying for a car? I took an Uber. The first time I took it, I'm like, oh, this is cool. They showed up in five minutes. The second time was like 15 minutes, and I'm like, oh, I knew I shouldn't have took an Uber. It's 15 minutes. Not a long time, right? It's, it's long. Narrow roads are longer. It, it takes discipline, and then you have to have the ability to pivot. Why do you have to have the ability to pivot? Because that's the way that God works. He, he, he doesn't just allow you just to sort of go and you just do your own thing, right? He, he takes us on a ride. He takes us on an experience. He takes us on a journey with him. So narrow roads are much different, right? I want you to think of your life when you see these, when you saw those things, and just be honest with yourself in terms of how you assess that. Do, do you choose, do you typically choose the the, the, the broad road, or do you choose, typically choose the narrow road? Don't want you just to choose what the, the right answer should be. Do an honest assessment. So based on that, we have to decide where we go, right? There are only two choices, two roads. There's not a third option. We're changed when we enter into a narrow gate, right? Because we're walking with God. We're changed. We're declared righteous, which is justification, and we're set apart during that period, which is sanctification, when we go down the narrow road with God to accomplish what his will is for our lives. That's why Paul says, um, he says, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. It has to be this way because God's people are different. We are not like those who go through wide roads. 
I just realized, I don't know, is there a clock in here, Akshu? I got to keep track. Oh, I get to go as long as I want. Okay, this is great. All right. All right. We're, we're not. So narrow roads are a part of the Christian life uh, because we're different, right? We're different from what the world, that's what God tells us. We're different from the world. God has set us apart. So we're going to play a game. And I got this exercise from a, um, a friend of mine who pastors a church in Ohio. So don't judge me for the questions. But we're going to play a game um, and just to show you how we are different, right? This game is called Would You Rather, all right? So if you have something on your, on your leg or something like that, you're going to need to put it aside because you're going to be standing up at some point, all right? So this game's called Would You Rather. You have two choices. Remember, again, I'm going to keep saying it. There's not a third option when it comes to God and when it comes with our, our walk with him. Just like the wide roads and narrow roads and wide gates and small gates, we have two options. So let's play. Now, it's going to require that you stand up. So listen to this. First question is, would you rather have a shirt size, two sizes too big, or one size too small? You're not going to answer that verbally. If you rather have a shirt size that's two sizes too big, stand up. Oh, wow. All right, you can sit down. <laughs> if you rather have a shirt size that's one size too small, stand up. Don't worry that you're the minority. I'm standing with you. I'd rather have one too small. All right, you can sit down. All right, now if you're, if you're married, be careful with this one, but be honest, please. All right, would you rather find true love or a suitcase with $5 million? All right. So if you rather find true love, stand up. I hope you're being honest. I really do. All right. All the couples are standing together, just smiling, lying. Okay. All right. You can sit down. All right. If you rather have $5 million. <laughs> all, the, all the youth, all the young <laughs> teens are standing up. <laughs> All right, last and final question. Would you rather not be able to bathe for one month or be without the internet for one month? And that includes phones, that includes everything. So if you'd rather not bathe for one month, stand up. I love it, thank you for being honest. There's some folks in here standing up, all right. And then if you rather not be, rather not just be without internet for a month, stand up. Okay, majority. All right, you can have your seats. So you see that there, there, there is, uh, there is differences right here in this room, right? Some of them we saw were sort of like 50-50, but a couple of them, you know, there was a very small size of amount of people, right? You see those differences? Just like we're different in the way that we answer those questions, um, we're different from those who don't, uh, you know, who don't follow the Lord. Uh, we don't go down broad roads. Like we saw, those are void of relationships. And what is what we're doing about? We're in relationship with God, who's designed your road and your path. So we take the straight path that he works out through our narrow road experiences. All right. I said that today we're going to talk about four steps on our road, right? Um, I'm going to go through those four steps, and we're only going to talk about two of them today, and then we will pick up the last two next week, right? I almost didn't show you what the other two were, just so you would show up, but um, we're going to go through all four so you can get context. All right, the first one is, 
a plan. So whenever you go down a road, God always has a plan for you, right? He sets a plan in motion. For every, every place that he decides to take you, there's a plan. Sometimes several roads will take you throughout your lifetime, but the first step that we take is our plan. God has a plan for every leader. Now let's just go through the four and then we'll come back to plan. Secondly, there's a reason. All right, we'll talk about that in, bit, in a little bit. And then the third one is partners. And then the fourth one is your destination. It's destinations. So it's a plan that is put in motion when? When did God put that in motion? He put that before the foundations of the world, right? It's a plan that he makes firm when we, when you and I delight in him. When we delight in him. Look at Psalms uh, 37 with me. It's Psalms 37, 23. And it says this. It says, the Lord makes firm the steps of those who delight in him. The word delight here is straightforward. It means to take pleasure and to rejoice. But there's also another meaning. It means to be willing. To be willing. So the Lord makes firm steps of those who are willing. See that? God does not take you through a small gate, a narrow path, if you're not willing. He'll let you go through a wide one. And we know where that leads. We read it. We read the scripture earlier. So the first step of our roads is, 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 uh, is God puts a plan in motion. Now, his plans most likely don't line up with my plan or your plan that you have for your lives. We have some ideas of what we want to happen in our life, right? And we get irritated when those, don't, when those things don't go as planned. But what we fail to realize is there's a divine aspect that we can't control and it's for our own good. Our plans many times are not his plans. What we thought would we be, you and I thought we would be doing is not always what we end up doing after all. If you've trusted Jesus Christ for your Lord and Savior, then you belong to him. So whatever his plan is for your life is the plan that we ought to be following. Anybody ever try to find, follow a plan that wasn't for their lives? We exist for his plans and for his purposes. I've told you the story before, but I was on my way to, to earn another degree in information technology. Uh, I applied. I was waiting to hear back. I like computing, so I assumed that that's what I would be doing in my life. I went to an annual men's conference, and I used to attend with some friends, and I was walking through the booths uh, to look for a t-shirt and, and browse, and I ran into a woman from a Bible college. Um, and she handed me a pamphlet, and she shared a few words about her school. I didn't think anything of it. You know how you go to conferences. They hand you a lot of things, and, and sometimes you pick one or two really good ones. The other ones sit in the bag for several months, and then after that, they make their way from there to the trash. Um, so I didn't think anything of it. I left the conference, forgot about the pamphlet. The next year, some brothers and I from the church went to the same conference in a different location, and I ran into the same woman. Uh, we talked again, and this time she says, contact me if you want to come to my office, and I can share some more. So again, it was one of those things I couldn't shake. I sensed I was supposed to talk with her, and I did, and I walked out that day after meeting her, having applied to the school. I still don't know why, <laughs> except for that that's where God was leading me. One of our pastors at the time was starting seminary, and he, he kept telling me about 
about it and how he sensed God's hand on me. And I wasn't listening because, again, I like computing. On my last day of my last class, my professor, who has since gone home to be with the Lord, said to me in front of uh, the class during his closing remarks, Jason, if you're feeling called to go to seminary, I would love to be a reference for you. Well, I didn't know what seminary was, and even though my friend had been telling me about it, like I said, I was only half listening. And we laugh about it today. I, I knew I had been called to shepherd and ministry, but this seminary thing, I didn't know what to do with it. I found out it was one of those things I couldn't shake, and when I prayed about it, it got worse. Three years later, one of our pastors at the time came up to me in the parking lot after church one day, and we were talking, and I said, I have this call on my life, but I'm not sure. And what I was not sure about was really the unknown that we see in our paths of life. That was my line, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. When we finished our conversation, he put his hand on my shoulder and he said, be like Jonah and answer the call and walked away. A few weeks later, you'll see a pattern here. I'm scared. I want to run to what I know, computing. Uh, my daughter at the time was four years old. Uh, I would read to her every night and sometimes she would pick the books out and sometimes I would pick the books out. Um, this night she picked the book and we started to read it. We're in the middle of reading the book, and my wife walks into the room and says, what are you guys reading? So I turned the book to her and showed it to her. I showed her the book, and she says, who, who put the book tonight? And I replied, she did, Selah did. She looked at me, shaking her head, eyebrows raised, and I said, what? To her expression. I still didn't get it. Then I realized what we were reading. The kid's book was the story of Jonah. She asked me something, are you running? Something to the effect of, do you need to answer the call? Long story short, I called our lead pastor at the time. I confirmed the call, and he told me to do three things. I want you to pay attention, though, to the third thing. He told me to do three things. He said, solidify your income, uh, because there will be a, um, a tent-making season um, like Priscilla and Aquila. He told me to bathe myself in prayer. And then the third one, he said, get training if you need it. going get more training, which led to seminary. It was not my plan. It was his. It was a call. So it's sort of funny sometimes when people are like, oh, yeah, you went to seminary? I was thinking about going to seminary, and I shake my head. It's a call. It's not something you set out to do, like, just because it's a good idea. I still wonder what would happen if I went and got that other degree in the other field. But you see that path? change? That's, that's God's plan, not our plan. If In your life today, the plan you have for your life, the plan you have for your marriage, the plan that you have for your career may not be what God wants for you, but you have to listen for that thing that you can't shake. You have to ensure it's his plan. Now, God does not give you a plan without a reason, right? Remember, I told you we were going to talk about two of the steps today. He doesn't give you a plan without a reason. So this takes us to our, our second step. Uh, many of you guys know the book that Rick Warren wrote, Purpose Driven Life. He gives us five areas that are the reason or the, the purpose for God's plans. Uh, they are worship, love, fellowship, serving, and your mission. Now, all of our missions is to make disciples 
and to be witnesses for him. But he also gives us a life mission, right? Johnny's not going to the same place that I am, right? Rich is not going to the same place that I'm going because God has me on the path. Henry's not going to the same place, right? Michelle's not going to the same place that I am. See how that works? Lakeith is not going to the the same place that I am. He's going somewhere different because God has a plan specifically for his life. So what I thought would be neat is we can do is let's just go back to the Old Testament and we're going to walk through the Old Testament and um, see what we can learn from his people about this reason for the plan. Okay, we're going to start with Moses. Um, Here's a snapshot of Moses' life, right? He was born an Israelite, but he was adopted by uh, Pharaoh's daughter. Right, we see, an, we see him, uh, he sees an Egyptian beating one of, one of his kin, which was an Israelite. He kills him, and then he fled the scene. Sounds like the 11 o'clock news, right? I know, he, he kills him, he fled a scene, and then Moses pretty much goes on with his life, thinking, okay, that's behind me. He marries a Midianite woman. But what does God do? He speaks to him through a burning bush, and he says, Moses... I want you to go back to Egypt. Really? I want you to go back where that you killed. I want you to go back to Egypt to talk with Pharaoh. I'm going to use you, Moses. And Moses is like, uh, I don't even know. I'm, uh, you're going to use me? I, I don't even know how to speak. You can use someone else. Moses is saying, you know, this is not my jam, Lord. Is there, is there anything that you can, just not me? And, and Moses is looking at him, and he's like, why don't, why don't you use the other, that one over there? Use that one over there with a theology background. Use that one over there that grew up in the church. Use that one over there that has, came from a family of influence. And God is saying, no, I'm going to use you. I'm going to use this one that didn't grow up in the church, that didn't come from a family of influence, that one that doesn't know the proper way to act at church and struggles with everything imaginable. That was the reason for God's plan for Moses' life. God wanted to use him to free the Israelites. And it doesn't matter how well your life has been built since you were were born or how tattered it's been. It doesn't matter either way. God can use both. And he does use both. But it's a matter of the heart. And I believe God saw something in Moses' heart. Let's think about Joshua. When, uh, when Moses died, uh, God told Joshua to follow the law that Moses had written down. Now, what do we know about that? We know that it was only, there was only written you know, a few words at that time. There's only a little bit at that time. He found his reason and his purpose and the little bit that he did know that was written down in teaching and searching the scriptures to know the truth. His reason was to lead God's people in battle if they would trust and obey God. And Joshua knew the power of God's word for the road he had him on. That's why we have verses like Psalms 119.105. Read that with me. Psalms 119.105 says, Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. A lamp for my feet and a light for my path. It gave him, it gave Joshua direction. Even what he had written was limited at the time. It was all he needed. 
<laughs> do you know that you have all that you need right now? You have everything you need to accomplish the task that God has given you. Let's look at Solomon. We can keep going, but I'm just, I got two more. Let's look at Solomon. When God called Solomon, he essentially called him through a dream. It was a dream that God asked Solomon a question. <laughs> it's a question that many of us would love to hear from God. I would love to hear from God. However, I don't know that most of us would answer like Solomon did. God said, what, should I, what shall I give you? Basically, what is it that you want, Solomon? Anything, let me know. Real loaded question, right? I mean, I can think of a lot of things I want, but God may not be happy about me asking for some of those things. However, it wasn't a trick question. Yet Solomon knew that God had called him to be king in the place of his father. And so based on that, God offered him whatever he wanted. That's probably not going to ever happen again. However, Solomon knew that God wasn't a God that was there to give him the material things that he wanted. What he asked for was wisdom and knowledge. Wisdom and knowledge, right? Aren't those powerful? Those are some powerful things. To, because if you have wisdom, talk about decision-making. What he asked for was wisdom and knowledge so that he could lead the people there well. That's what you need. As a leader, if you're a leader in here, and I believe everybody's a leader in some capacity, wisdom and knowledge. We can learn from Solomon. God's not calling you to make money and build wealth or make a name for yourself. He's calling you to serve people, to love people, to rejoice with people, to mourn with people. That's the Romans 12 approach, right? And as you take these steps on your road, he'll make clear what you are to do. Let's end with Jeremiah. I love this one. This is my favorite of them all. Jeremiah, it took Jeremiah a lot of time to get it, just like me and some of you. God says to Jeremiah in, in uh, Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 7 through 8. Let's read it. And I'm just going to start with you. He says, you must go to everyone I send to you, send you to, and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Stay right there, please, because the next slide... Now listen, this is in chapter one. God's saying that I'm with you. I got you. He's given him all the confidence he needs in the world. He's saying it to him right now. But yet what we see here is that it's not until chapter 20, 20 chapters later, in verse nine, Jeremiah says this. What if I just don't tell them what the Lord's telling me? <laughs> well, that's not gonna work. You ever tried that? Then I said, I will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name. Well, that's definitely not going to work. But his word was in my heart like a burning fire shut up in my bones. Remember that song, Just Like Fire, Shut Up in My Bones, Holy Ghost Fire? Shut up in my bones. He, he, he comes to the conclusion, finally in chapter 20, it reads, I was weary of holding it in. I was weary of holding it in. Indeed, he says, I cannot. My God. 
For some of you, you've been holding it in. On the job, holding it in. In your neighborhood, holding it in. At the gym, holding it in. And just as uh, Jeremiah found out, you cannot. It's impossible. It's impossible to hold that fire in. In chapter 1, the Lord reached out his hand, and I just prayed this um, in, in our, at the beginning of our, our time together. In chapter 1, the Lord reaches out his hand, touches Jeremiah's mouth, and he says this. He says, I just put my words in your mouth and said to him, I've appointed you over nations to tear down, to build up, and to plant. He put his hand on his mouth. This is in chapter 1. In chapter 20, he's just now realizing, he's just now getting to the point where he's like, I can't hold it in. Okay, I just cannot. It took him 20 chapters. I don't know how much time that is. I didn't look. I don't even know if, there, if, if there's something to tell us out there what that time frame is from chapter 1 to, 20, to 1 to 20, but I know it was a while. It was a long time. But he says, I've appointed you over nations to tear down, to build up, to plant, to plant, to plant. God's called some of you guys to plant. He's called you to plant a ministry, a business, a shelter, something with foster kids, adoptions. And you're trying to see where and how that is, but I'm here to tell you, do not miss your season. Don't miss your call. He's going to fulfill it, even if it takes you a few years to finally get it. In verse 17 of chapter 1, he tells Jeremiah, stand up, get yourself ready. I'm about to point you over nations so that you can tear down old systems and build up new ones in my name. I don't know where you are today, but God has already touched your mouth. He's already touched your mouth. You just have to discover what's next. So I pray that you be encouraged. As the worship team leads us in our last song, I just want to know if you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can do that today. You can solidify that today. If you admit that you need a Savior, turn from your sin. If you believe that Jesus Christ has rose again and you confess that Jesus is Lord, the Bible tells us that you are saved. You can find any one of us leaders you see standing by the doors or myself um, before you leave, um, but we would love to talk to you. Now, there's nothing magic about you talking to us, um, but we want to hear from you. So no matter where you go, whether it's here or somewhere else, you understand the decision that you just made. Let's worship. Stand to your feet.
like. Now to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his presence with great joy and without fault, to the only God, our Savior, be majesty, dominion, power, and authority, both now and forevermore. Amen. God bless you all. Have a great weekend.